Reading from the 8th chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, beginning with the 31st verse. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't think I have ever used an illustration two weeks in a row before. So you're witnessing a first. I hope that's exciting. Is it exciting, Pam? It is. I knew it would be. (laughs) I knew it. So last week I told you a story. I'm going to tell it to you again because I think it's helpful for us to hear Jesus' words today. There's an old story that maybe you've heard before. A guy's walking down the street when suddenly he falls into a deep hole he just hadn't seen as he walked along. The walls are so steep he can't climb out. A doctor happens by and the guy shouts, Hey doc, can you help me out here? The doctor writes out a prescription and throws it down the hole. A priest comes by and the guy shouts out, Father, I'm stuck in this hole, can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer and tosses it into the hole. The guy's best friend happens by. Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out here? Joe jumps down into the hole and the guy says, What'd you do that for, stupid? Now we're both stuck down here. And their friend says, Yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out kind of friend we need, right, in this life. I want you to hang on to that for a minute while I break out another illustration that I've debated using, and I wasn't sure, but I don't have any more time to debate, do I? We're up against it. This is one of my very favorite books. It's called Loving Jesus. It's by a guy named Mark Allen Powell. 
And it offers one view of what it might mean for us to take up our cross. Did you hear Jesus say that? If you want to be my followers, let them take up their cross and follow me. I know from a few weeks ago, like a little over a month ago, I asked you to raise your hand if it was your desire to be a disciple and not just a believer. And I think 99.65% of you raised your hands. So I think we're in safe ground here in saying that we all want to follow Jesus. I remember talking to another Christian rock fan down in Austin, Texas. He was a Jesus freak just like I used to be and still wanted to be. And I envied him. He was living in the joy of the Lord, reading his Bible every day and praying to Jesus and speaking in tongues and playing Christian rock on his stereo. When I asked him about church, he didn't write it off, but he did say he hadn't been able to find a congregation where he felt like he had fit in. The church where I'm a member, he said, it's like something out of an old black and white TV show. You know, Ozzy and Harriet or Leave it to Beaver. Everybody dresses up in suits and they play this music that doesn't sound like anything on the radio and the preacher talks about things that have nothing to do with my life and I don't know, it's just boring. So he said he didn't go. I asked him about finding a different church but he didn't know about denominations and he didn't really want to get into all the different doctrines and stuff so he just didn't go anymore. Maybe when I'm older, I'll get more out of it, he said. Or maybe the church will, you know, lighten up or something. Well, this time I did give advice. I don't know if it was good advice or not, but I thought about it overnight, and then I got back to him. Do you love Jesus, I asked him. Yes, I do. I love him with all my heart. Would you die for him? Yes, I would. You would die for him, but you won't be bored for him. It's okay, you can laugh at that. That's funny. I won't be offended, I promise. <laughs> you would die for him, but you won't be bored for him. And so I said, this is what I think the Lord wants you to do. I think Jesus wants you to get out of bed every Sunday morning and go to the Ozzy at Harriet Church and just sit there for one hour being bored. Do it for Him. Call it bearing your cross if you like. Just do it. That's funny. And I love Mark Allen Powell, but I think he has bear your own cross a little twisted. Y'all know what that teenager word means because we talked about that before, didn't we? He's got it a little wrong. The cross isn't some hardship that we bear just because of ourselves. You see, the young man's problem was he had been taught that the purpose of church was to get something out of it. But the purpose of our gathering, dear ones, is worshiping God. And if we come here for any other reason, it's idolatry and it's wicked. We come here to worship God first and foremost. If we get something out of it, that's a blessing from worshiping God, from being in touch with who Jesus is and celebrating His life. And style really has nothing to do with it. We can do whatever music style here we want to. The preacher would love it. 
But it's always got a point to God being the reason we're here and not some experience of God or how we feel. Because that's not worship. To that effect, there are a couple hymns in our hymnal that I won't use for that reason. But I do have a story that gets closer. But you know, he's really right because... In some ways, it is carrying a cross. Because there are some Sunday mornings when I get up and I look at my boat in the driveway and I think, man, you know, if I had five lay speakers, I could go fishing. (laughs) But y'all pay me to show up. (laughs) You know that joke about the pastor that mother couldn't get him out of bed? Y'all heard that one, right? He said, no, you have to go to church. Mama, I don't want to. They don't like me. But you're the pastor, she said. (laughs) You have to go. I don't come here because I have to or because I get paid to. I come here because I love God. And I want to be in the middle of your faith. I want to be in the middle of a people who love Christ as much as I do. And that's what you are. Or I would have asked the bishop to move me a long time ago. I don't want to serve a church that doesn't put Christ first. So bearing a cross might be something different. And maybe it'd be helpful if you just took a look at that thing up there for a minute that in our eyes is now beautiful. And imagine that on a roadside in Jerusalem with someone who tried to rebel against Rome nailed to it. That's why they put bodies on those in Catholic churches. Not because they deny the resurrection, but because they want us to remember that it's a torture device. It's a murder device. It's the electric chair of A.D. 33. We don't walk around with electric chairs on our neck, do we? That's what that is. That is Jesus' day equivalent of an electric chair. And when Jesus said, take up your cross, He was saying, take up your execution device. And that's how His first audience would have heard that. They wouldn't have heard, take up your daily burden, take up your burden to show up to church, take up... Your sister-in-law who drives you crazy. Not you, Angie. Um, Take up whatever you would want to name. Your boss that's an irritation. All of those things that we use it today for. Like I've heard people talk about their teenagers and say, I guess she's just my cross to bear. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is living in such a way for Him that it threatens your life. Because He was charged with insurrection and put to death. And I guess he knew that's what was going to happen to him. So when he starts talking about going and dying, and Peter says, no, Lord, it can't be. He says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking like a human being and not thinking about God's plan. And God's plan for Jesus was to come and die in our place in revolution against sin and death that the Roman Empire represented better than any other empire in history. And He's calling us to join a revolution. Do you hear that? Not to be complacent little lambs who sit around and do what politicians and everybody else tells us to do, but to be the presence of Almighty God in the world. To be on fire for justice and righteousness. In such a way that it might forfeit our lives. That's why your Bible tells you that real religion is care for widows and orphans. That's why James tells us that your faith without works is dead. 
That if you say you love Christ but don't love your brother, John says, you're a liar. We're called into something that is radical and dangerous. And you might say, oh, it was dangerous back then. But it's still dangerous today because Christians are killed every day for their faith somewhere. And probably the reason we enjoy all the liberty we enjoy is because the American church has been turned into a lapdog for our political parties. And they keep us intact and keep us straight and give us tax credits. What would it look like for us to really take up a cross? It might look like Dietrich Bonhoeffer who stood up to the Nazis and got killed for it. When the rest of the German church was complicit and sat back and was afraid that Hitler would take their churches or their place. Or it might look like Corey Tinboom. You've heard her name before? She's pretty famous. I discovered her kind of by accident. Somebody posted something one time on Facebook and it said that there's no pit so deep that God's love is not there. And that was credited toward, to her. And so, you know, I got kind of halfway interested in her. I haven't read any of her books, but I can tell you what I do know. She was the first female watchmaker in Holland. The first one licensed. That was her job. She didn't marry. But when she was 50 years old, she entered into the Dutch resistance against Hitler. Her father, the watchmaker, had died, and she and her sister, they started hiding Jews, their Jewish neighbors, in their closet. So she wrote that book, The Hiding Place. And she was arrested for that and put in a concentration camp and had her life taken from her, basically, for a while. Because she looked and asked, What would Jesus have me do here? What does it look like to follow Jesus in this right now when there's a madman killing God's people? And it didn't look like going and hiding. It didn't look like resting somewhere. It looked like standing up and doing something about it. Her sister died in one of those prisons. But she was fond of quoting her sister's words. And what I turned out is that what she has been quoted as saying was actually what her sister had said. There's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Remember that hole we started out with today? Our friend in the hole? And last week we heard Peter tell us that Jesus suffered for us. And we talked about following Jesus might mean getting in the hole with Jesus for others. That's what Corey Ten Boom did. She got in the hole with the Jews. And it was dangerous. And the faith we're given, the cross we asked or were asked to carry, cannot be comfort. It cannot be sitting back and saying the problem of teenagers in this country is not our problem. It can't be sitting back and saying the problem with our political system is not our problem. It can't be sitting back and saying Jesus is not political because that's a lie. It has to mean that the church has to get in the hole and take up a cross. And you know what? That's just scary. 
Because a lot of people would rather teach us today that if we follow Jesus, we get to have whatever we want. We get whatever peace we want. We get whatever little thing in the world God might intend to bless us for. For Creflo Dollar, it's a big giant jet. Don't believe me, watch YouTube. And that kind of preaching packs churches, but that's not Jesus' preaching. Jesus' preaching is He's asking us if we'll follow Him into death or not. And Scott Hosey said, if we have any sense, we will. Because that's the way to life. The way to life is through a cross. Through having faith enough in Him to actually follow Him. Because if He's the Messiah, if He has defeated sin and death, then we can stand with Paul who says, what can human beings do to me? Because we know that Jesus has defeated sin. Jesus has defeated death. Jesus has brought new life. And if we believe we have eternal life, why would we be so worried about our own safety, our own life and comfort in this world so that we would watch other people suffer and do nothing about it? Jesus' call to take up a cross is a call to lay our own life down for others. And there's no way around that. It's not about some ridiculous suffering that comes into our life. It's not some temporal condition. It's not an ant that gets on our nerves. It is a call to die with Him. And trusting that if He is raised, we will be raised too. And that, dear ones, is a decidedly unpopular form of Christian preaching today. And so ultimately, whether or not we have the faith to take up our cross depends on who we say He is. Is He just some rabble-rousing Jewish nut? Or is He the Christ? Is He some megalomaniac who thought He was the Son of God? Or is He the Son of God? Is He the Messiah or not? And how we answer that question will determine whether or not we have the courage to take up whatever cross is presented to us in the midst of our daily lives. It may not be hiding people who are being killed in your closet. It may be as simple as helping someone get their medication. It may be helping somebody get fed. It may be marching on Washington. It may be a lot of different things, but ultimately it will cost you something because somebody out there will say, oh, no, 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 Jesus isn't political. It's just about faith. And you're welcome to sit back and be glad you've got your ticket to heaven punched while the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And you know what? They're wrong. Jesus would not say that. As a matter of fact, he said, if any would be my followers, let them take up their execution device and follow me. There's the hard word for today from Mark's Gospel. Not long ago, we did a silly little experiment where we tried to mimic the tone that they play on the TVs in school. Remember that? And we raised our voices together and mimicked that voice our purpose together is to show each other what it looks like to carry a cross. We are called together to carry a cross in the world. To lift high the cross, as the old song says. It might get us ridiculed. It might get us called names. But Jesus would remind us they hated me first.
That also is in the Bible. The cross was reserved for enemies of the state. So Jesus calls us to be insurrectionists against death and destruction, against sin, against oppressiveness, against people who would hold other people down and get their way. Against systems that violate and humiliate others. To take up a cross is to admit our guilt with Him. That we do not subscribe to the empires of this world. But we will stand with the hurting and the suffering. Corey Ten Boom's story is a story of taking up a cross. It tells us what it looks like. So the question for us, Adna, is what does that look like for us? What holes are we walking by and ignoring our friend as she cries out? Whose cry in our community are we not hearing? What is the cross that we're called to carry together? Whose suffering are we intended to join? Think about that in your prayers this week. And if you hear an answer, your pastor would love to hear it from you. My hope for us is that we would abandon the notion that Jesus has called us to some comfortable life apart from the suffering of the world and look for ways to get into the hole with the people who are suffering. And just like last week, I say to you that I don't say those words weakly, And I don't say them lightly because I know that they mean that I have to get into the hole with you too. But I say them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because you are His church. Amen.